Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.theorganicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. On today's show, I have Mr. John J. Barry, a retired U.S. Navy and Vietnam War veteran. He's going to talk about Agent Orange dioxin poisoning and about his work as an advocate helping others that have also been affected. So I would like to welcome to the show Mr. John Barry. Good afternoon, John, and welcome to the show. Uh, thank you, June. John, could you please tell our audience about yourself? And also, did you come from a military family? Uh, no, I did not. My father uh, enlisted in the Navy at the age of 15, and when his mother found out about it, she wrote a letter to the President of the United States, who was President Wilson at the time in Polish, and wanted him home because he was underage. A couple of weeks later, he came home. <laughs> End of that story. But my dad always would talk about the Navy to me, and uh, and it was something that I was always interested in from him. At the age of 17, I enlisted in the Navy, and I spent 22 years. Oh, wow. Can you share with our audience also about some of your experiences during your service? Well, I'm... My duty stations comprised of seven different ships that I was on and three shore stations, one shore station being in Rota, Spain, another shore station as a Navy recruiter during the height of the Vietnam War in Roanoke, Virginia, and my last duty station, a shore station, was an instructor at a reserve training center in Philadelphia. Uh, The ship that I was on in Vietnam was the USS Sacramento, uh, AOE-1, now, description of the ship, called Auxiliary Oiler Ammunition. And we carried nine, approximately 9 million gallons of various fuel on board and 3,000 tons of bombs, powder, and other munitions. We were a main supply ship for the Vietnam War in Vietnam waters in the South China Sea. I did four deployments on that ship. Did you have any idea what cargo was on the ship, what it was? Well, the products we carried was fuel, uh, oil for for uh, ship's propulsion, uh, black oil, or what we call bunker fuel, diesel fuel, jet aircraft fuel, and uh, aviation fuel. Uh, we carried uh, uh, munitions such as bombs, anywhere from 250-pound bombs up to 2,000-pound bombs, uh, we carried cluster bombs, we carried missiles, we carried powder casings for projectiles, for 5-inch uh, projectiles, 6-inch and 8-inch projectiles, and uh, and other arrays of various types of ammunition for small arms and etc. That was our cargo, and we operated in the Vietnam waters anywhere from just a maybe two or three miles offshore to as far as as maybe 20 miles offshore. Uh, and we would supply other ships, aircraft carriers, 
destroyers, cruisers, all ships that are considered man of war who carried artillery or aircraft. We would uh, these ships would come alongside and we would pass the ammunition and even food supplies. We carried about a thousand tons of food supplies as well by a what they call a high wire or a span wire between two ships. We also had two helicopters on board that we would airlift pallets of uh, supplies to uh, uh, aircraft carriers, cruisers, and destroyers, usually uh, ammunition, uh, such as uh, various kinds of bombs that I've mentioned, and projectiles and powder casings and uh, to be deposited on the deck of the ship. That was our job in doing that. Our, when we were on what we call replenishment operations, our normal work day was uh, anywhere from 16 to 18 hours a day. Uh, and sometimes we even ate and slept on station. Uh, we would have uh, uh, ships following us. Uh, one ship would leave. We would have a ship on each side. The ships would leave after they were replenished, and two more would come alongside. And this would go on for hours and hours, uh, day and night. And this is this was what we did with that particular ship. In regards it, to your service, it was, uh, uh, it was the lifeblood of the fleet. Let's say that. In regards to your service, did how much time did you spend in combat? In the combat waters, uh, I, I never saw combat, but we were in what we call the combat waters of Vietnam, which is twelve miles. It reaches out twelve miles from the coast, uh, known as the combat zone in the South China Sea upwards into the uh, Gulf of Tonkin, which is uh, north of uh, uh, north of that. Uh, and this is where we would spend uh, 75 to 80% of our time when we were in the uh, uh, combat zone. Uh, anyone in the combat zone at sea would earn the Vietnam Service Medal. Can you share with our audience after the war had ended, um, what was it like when you first came back home to the States? Well, our our tour of duty on board that particular ship, as most ships, uh, their tour of duty usually was between six and eight months at a time. And then we would return back to our home port uh, to pick up supplies while we were over there. usually was picked up in the Philippine Islands. Uh, Subic Bay uh, is was our main supply area, but when we come back to the states, uh, my particular ship was home ported in Bremerton, Washington, uh, and of course the only thing we wanted to do was to take leave, be with our families, uh, and so forth, and of course party. Sailors don't get along too well unless they can have a party once in a while. This is just a little running thing of a joke, so to speak. But anyway. We were always glad to be back home. Bremerton, Washington was considered a Navy town. So the people in Bremerton, Washington were uh, relatively nice to uh, its military because we were their bread and butter. But oftentimes when we would leave the area, such as maybe go to Seattle uh, or to other areas, uh, maybe Portland, Oregon, uh, or even when I would come home on leave, which I was from Philadelphia, uh, Oftentimes, we were ignored 
uh, we uh, uh, occasionally would be glared at, called a baby killer. Uh, on occasion, I had been spat upon. Uh, and uh, so we were encouraged not to wear our uniforms so that people wouldn't recognize us as being in the service during the Vietnam era. When you returned home, did you connect with other people who did serve, or did you also, because of the just the response, did you kind of withdraw? Well, I wouldn't say really withdrawed any. Uh, it's just that we would ignore people who would just give us those dirty looks and just stay clear of them. Uh, when I would come home on leave to my hometown of Philadelphia, uh, uh, there I would connect with family and friends, uh, many cousins, and uh, uh, and that is uh, on occasion a few old friends that I knew, and we really wouldn't talk too much about the war. Uh, 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 what a lot of people wanted to know about was the adventures of being in foreign lands, which we would visit on occasion, such as Hong Kong, uh, the Philippines, uh, Japan, Singapore. And uh, this is what the uh, what friends were interested in. Where did we go? What did we see? Uh, not too many people would talk about the war. It was either a sore spot with them, or it was something that I really didn't want to discuss. Uh, I just wanted to be myself and uh, and be with my friends and enjoy time away from home. my duties. Yeah. Can you share with our audience exactly when you first learned that your health had been impacted due to Agent Orange dioxin exposure? All right. To first tell you how I was exposed to Agent Orange dioxin is it would drift out from the landmass of uh, Vietnam uh, out to sea if the winds carried it that way, or it was in the rivers and it would flow into the South China Sea. In order for Navy ships to have fresh water, we would distill salt water into fresh water. The dioxin was in the, in, in the fresh water, and it would be intensified by tenfold. So normally, we, so we would drink the stuff. We didn't know it, but we would drink it. We cooked in it. We bathed in it. Our clothing was washed in it. Uh, I first realized my first cancer in 2002 something like 27 years after I left the Navy in 1975, which is officially when the war ended there. Uh, so it took that long to catch up with me. Uh, after that, I experienced three more cancers. Uh, I started off with bladder cancer and then prostate cancer, kidney cancer. I lost a kidney. And now I have called T-cell cutaneous lymphoma non-Hodgkin's cancer. This one is not a good one, but what cancer is. Uh, this one, there is no cure, there is no known treatment. I do have an excellent doctor who is caring for me. Uh, when I learned that uh, I didn't know I could put a, uh, a VA claim in, Veterans Administration claim in, for uh, my diseases until someone told me about it, like many other servicemen, they don't know that they can put a claim in. So I put a claim in for my fourth cancer, for the uh, lymphoma, 
in September of 2011. Uh, September 2012, I was finally approved by the Veterans Administration for 100% disability combat related, only because I was in the combat waters of Vietnam. And also, I had a letter from the Undersecretary of the Navy uh, to Congresswoman Gillibrand at the time, she's now a senator, uh, stating that uh, uh, anyone who served in Vietnam, whether it be in the waters or in the air or on land, cannot be denied uh, VA full benefits if they have uh, lymphoma non-Hodgkin's disease. And that's how I was approved for my disability. Thank you. And in regards to the health care that the Veterans Administration is providing, have there been any changes as far as who is eligible for that treatment or for the, for the care that they provide? Well, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I do not use the VA health care system. I use private doctors uh, because I'm retired from the military, so I have what's called TRICARE for Life. And now, since I am now 77 uh, years of age, I also have Medicare. So that is what I use. Uh, though I do not know how the health care system for the VA works because I've never used it. Uh, but I do understand that in most cases, the VA health care uh, system is a good system. And for those who uh, do not have the kind of uh, insurances that I have for health care, probably should use the VA system if they are eligible for it. Well, I guess my question to you is, have there been any, any changes as far as veterans that at one point could reach out to the VA for medical coverage? And weren't there any recent changes over the past couple of years that has changed the eligibility factors? Well, the eligibility factors are all governed by Congress. If a, uh, if a service member, whether, whether it be male or female, can uh, show that they were in military service uh, with a form known as a DD-214, it's a discharge certificate, they can go to the VA and be registered with the VA for either present or future health care. The problem now is the benefits of being rated disabled. This takes a congressional bill to be rated this way. There are bills in Congress presently. One right now is called the House Bill 543, uh, Navy Vietnam Veterans War Act, and it has not been passed. In past years, there have been bills for Vietnam veterans to get 100% VA benefits for health and for compensation, and none of them have ever have been approved, though there is a, uh, you have to prove that you were on land. And, of course, not every service member has been on land in Vietnam, especially the Navy and some Air Force. So, therefore, for in most cases, they cannot get VA benefits or complete benefits. They can get health care benefits, but they cannot get compensation because it takes Congress to do that, and Congress has been failing to pass legislation for those people to get 100% benefits to include compensation. In 1991, 
Congress passed legislation to award all Vietnam veterans, whether they were on land, sea, or in the air, full benefits to include compensation. Then in the year 2003, the Bush administration was asked by the Veterans Administration that they were being overwhelmed with claims. And so the Bush administration asked the VA what they want. They said, well, they want to slow it down. So the Bush administration literally took away VA benefits from all those who were collecting full benefits to include compensation and put it in the hands of the VA to assign as they felt necessary on their own, uh, not following any particular set of rules. Hence, everyone who was receiving VA benefits to include compensation lost those benefits in 2003. Now, this does not say that some have gotten their benefit, but they have to be able to prove they were in country, which amounts to approximately about 1.5 million members of the service. The rest of them, a little over a million, cannot prove this because they were not on land. They were either in the air or they were at sea. So therefore, those 1.2 million approximately were not able to get full benefits from the VA. It's so disturbing. Now, the other side of the coin is with Agent Orange. When it was, it was uh, authorized by President Kennedy in 1961 and used in 1962 as a herbicide. Can you explain to our audience exactly how the term Agent Orange came about and if there's any significance with the color orange itself? Okay. There are uh, a number of colors. These here are color codes. Orange, white, purple, green, blue, just to name a few. They were, uh, the chemical was placed in barrels, and the barrels were marked either lube oil or kerosene. So to identify the product of the barrel, a color stripe was painted around the top of the barrel or around the middle of the barrel, either orange, white, blue, purple, green, so, so forth, to identify the strength and what it might be used for, for, for as a herbicide. Agent Orange being the strongest of all because it holds dioxin, and it's an extremely deadly chemical, especially the dioxin, which is a byproduct of its manufacturer. The Agent Orange is second only to radiation poisoning. So that being said, dioxin is the deadliest known chemical known to man next to radiation poisoning. It cannot be eradicated. The uh, dioxin uh, resides, I'm not, now I'm not a medical person, but through my research, Dioxin resides in the fatty tissue of the male and the female, and until it decides to show its ugly face, in my case, took 27 years. There is also known second generation and third generation Agent Orange poisoning. We use the term AO for Agent Orange, by the way. It resides in the fatty part of the male sperm and resides in the fatty part of the female egg. Hence, deformities can be realized for newborn children. In some cases, it could take several years for it to catch up to children known as second or third generation Agent Orange. What are some of the after effects on humans? The after effects is an array of cancers, 
such as lymphoma. There are uh, uh, sarcomas. Uh, there's a, a whole. There's approximately 15 or 18 diseases that the VA recognizes. There is neuropathy, diabetes 2, amyloidus, Hodgkin's disease, non-Hodgkin's disease, ischemic heart disease, a Parkinson's disease, and a variety of sarcomas such as clear cell sarcoma, hairy cell sarcoma. This is just to name a few. These are all very horrible diseases and, and cancers. How many people do you think have been affected by AO? A good guess. I would say a little over a million servicemen have contracted a variety of these diseases, anywhere from one to as many as all of them. So I have uh, come down with four of them. And uh, so the impact is great. Mm. Uh, like I said, it takes its time to catch up to you. Now, not everyone may come down with something. It took 27 years before they infected me. It could take less or it could take even more years or not at all. It depends on a person's immune system and their health and their lifestyle. Now, you work with a number of folks that are trying to help other veterans and children of veterans, as well as my, my good friend Kelly Derricks. What has been the response out there from people, especially the children that have no idea their health has been impacted by Agent Orange? For the most part, many of them don't know that they were impacted by Agent Orange, especially uh, especially children, unless they were born with birth defects. Then, of course, it's an immediate impact. But say years later, maybe 5, 10, 15, even 20 years later, before it might catch up to them, and they don't realize that that's where it came from, was from uh, their parents at conception. As far as veterans go, Likewise, the same thing. It could take several years to catch up to them before they come down with something that could be associated with Agent Orange. Now, the impact is really great. I work with a lot of veterans in trying to show them how to get their VA benefits, how to gather the evidence that they need. I work with a few other uh, veterans associations such as the Vietnam Veterans Association, the Blue Water Navy Veterans Association. I work with the Children of Vietnam Veterans Health Alliance. This is the one that Kelly uh, Derricks is uh, founder of, along with Heather Bowser, who is her co-founder. Uh, both Kelly and Heather were born with birth defects, so they know the heavy impact when it comes to children. I know the heavy impact when it comes to veterans who come down with a variety of diseases. I get phone calls and emails several a week from veterans. Can I help them? Uh, where can I find the evidence that the VA is requiring? And so forth. My research data, I have been able to find how to uh, gather uh, most of the necessary evidence that a veteran needs in order to submit a proper VA claim. In some cases, such as my own, I submitted over 200 pages of evidence. This is doctor's reports, this is my service reports, my service records, and for being Navy, what we call deck logs. Deck logs are the ship's operations when in the Vietnam waters. You have to be able to prove you were there. Your DD-214 and earning the Vietnam Service Medal is not proof enough 
as far as the Veterans Administration is concerned. You have to actually prove that you were in the waters. Now, but John, doesn't the Veterans Administration have access to all of this information? They can have access if they want it, but it's too much trouble for them to do the work for you. And this so is how you many are required to do later? your own work. Pardon? This is how many decades later, and this is still going on. Oh, this, this has been going on uh, uh, oh, probably uh, a good guess ever since uh, within a year or two after the first use of herbicides in Vietnam, say going back to, say, maybe 1964, 1965, when certain diseases were being realized by veterans who served uh, in that theater. and But more recently, it has been more heavily impacted in, say, the past uh, 25 years. John, can you talk about a bill that has been introduced called H.R. 543, the Blue Water Navy Vietnam Veterans Act. Can you explain to our audience what is Blue Water Navy and what this bill represents? Okay. Blue Water Navy are us sailors who never had boots on ground in Vietnam. We were strictly at sea. So that's why they call us Blue Water Navy, Blue Water Navy or, if you will, deep water. We were never uh, uh, on land. We were never in the rivers. Uh, we were just offshore, anywhere from a few miles to as much as 20 miles offshore. The Blue Water Navy is only recognized if they were within the 12-mile limit of Vietnam. Now, Congress, Congressman Chris Gibson is the one who introduced the House Bill, H.R. 543, the uh, uh, Navy Vietnam Veterans Act for Blue Water Navy. Now, this bill was introduced to the 113th Congress because bills issued prior to that to the 112th Congress have failed. We are hoping now that a Senate bill will also be introduced, a companion bill, if you will, by uh, Congresswoman Gillibrand. She introduced a Senate bill in the, to the 112th Senate. We are hoping that she will likewise reintroduce a bill to the 113th Senate as a companion bill to the House. The bills are important. If the bills do not get passed, then the Vietnam veterans will get no benefits. It's plain and simple like that. These bills die every year with a new Congress. Thank you, John. My last question for you is, on March 30th, there's a special day that is designated for Vietnam veterans. Can you share with our audience why there's such a big movement to make this an official holiday? Uh, I don't know the significance on March 30th. I believe it was the month of March 1975 at the official end of the war, and I think that is why they're designating March 30th as Vietnam Veterans Day. It is not an official designation yet. There is a bill in Congress, from what I have heard, to make it an official national day for Vietnam veterans of March 30th. Thank you. It's so long overdue. I think it's kind of ridiculous that we have so many superficial holidays, everything for, for donuts to just all sorts of nonsense, but yet something as important as this, how many decades later, and there still isn't an official national holiday? Well, according to, according to Congress, in my viewpoint anyway, we are a very sore subject. 
they would like to see us go away. And we will. In about another 10 to 12 years, there won't be any others left, so we will be all gone. However, I ask this question. What legacy do we leave behind for our children, our grandchildren, and our great-grandchildren? John, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Could you share with our audience your contact information, especially for people that are looking for assistance? All right. Well, thank you, uh, June, for having me on your show. It is much appreciated. And I am a writer. I have, to date, written 17 articles about Agent Orange and what our government is failing to do for its Vietnam veterans. I have been published in well over 1,000 newspapers nationwide, over these past 22 months. If anyone who would like to contact me, they can do so. My uh, email address is johnb1936 at verizon.net. If any veterans are having a problem gathering evidence with the VA, I would be more than happy to help them with that or steer them in a proper direction. Take note, the VA will not help you gather evidence. You have to find it for yourself. Thank you, John, and thank you for all that you do. You're more than welcome, uh, June. I I appreciate uh, you having me on your show, and I hope this this helps other, other veterans. And folks, by all means, if you know somebody that needs help, please feel free to reach out to John. Thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon.